Hey, this is John from The Bible Project, and this episode is the final part of a discussion between Tim and I on the Holy Spirit. In the first episode, we talked about the Hebrew word ruach, which is translated as wind, breath, and also God's spirit. In the second episode, we also talk about how the word ruach is used to describe man's spirit. And then we talked about the three activities that we find God's ruach doing in the Old Testament, creating, empowering people, and then recreating. Today's conversation moves into the New Testament. The New Testament's written in Greek, and so the Hebrew word ruach is translated with the Greek word pneuma, which conveniently can also mean wind and breath, or to blow, pneuma, and also can mean spirit. We look at how the life of Jesus is one empowered by the Holy Spirit. The resurrection is connected to the spirit. Paul uses the creative power of God's spirit to describe what recreated Jesus' body. He was a human, and he ate food and could hang out with his disciples, but he had different properties. We've tried to cover a lot of ground in these three episodes, but we expect that at the end of this, there's still lingering questions. I know I still have some. So what we'd like to do is hear from you what questions you have about God's spirit. You can send them on Facebook, facebook.com slash jointhebibleproject, or email them to us, support at jointhebibleproject.com. And in the next episode of the podcast, we're going to answer your questions on the Holy Spirit. If you have access to record yourself asking the question, that would be really great. So we can play your question on the podcast itself. Okay, so without further ado, the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Let's go. The way the Spirit is talked about in the New Testament fits into these three main things God's Spirit does in the Old Testament. Okay. So in each of the Gospels, but especially Matthew and Luke, Jesus' origins are connected to the work of the creative work of the Spirit. So Matthew and Luke talk about Mary's pregnancy with Jesus as being the activity of the Spirit. Okay. Here the pneuma now in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. But that's not a surprise to us. We already know that God's Ruach hovers and creates life in dark, uninhabitable places, mm-hmm. whether it's the waters. Or a barren womb. Or, or, a yeah, womb. or a womb. Yeah, that's right. The Spirit plays another key role in Jesus' story at his baptism. And there, it's really cool. So Jesus' baptism, John the Baptist is down at the river. He doesn't live in a van by the river, but <laughs> he is down by the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan River. Um, and he's starting this renewal movement of the repentant among Israel. And then Jesus comes and John identifies him as the leader, the one who will renew God's people. And then as he's praying, Jesus is in the water. It says the heavens were open. Mark says they were ripped open. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in physical form like that of a dove. And then God's voice speaks from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. Did the baptism story so legit? Hmm. So much happening here. Why the bird? Right. So just just stop. Can I think of any other times that God's spirit manifests as a manifests bird like thing activities over the waters? Yeah, Genesis one. Yes, yeah, page it's one. Hovering. Yeah, the, the God's a, ruach hovers. 
We did. We talked about this. I think didn't we, we didn't talk about being a flight metaphor. Well, or in a bird. The, the, the word used for hover in Genesis one. Same thing. A the bird spirit does. of God hovered over the waters. That word rachaf is only used like three other times in the Hebrew Bible, all, and always to describe birds. Birds hovering. Birds hovering. Wow. Yeah. So, so the gospel authors are intentionally describing the spirit coming on Jesus. The creative spirit of Genesis using 1. Recalling the language of God's ruach. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it's totally cool. Um, and notice also the three, three in one vision of God here. You have Jesus mm-hmm. and God the Father. Who's talking. Who's talking to the Son and the one who communicates the presence and love from the Father to the Son is the Spirit. Now so you, here, you've got a, what, what mm-hmm. later Christians would call a the Trinitarian mm-hmm. God. Um, the language is later than the New Testament, but the idea yeah. of the three-in-one God is all over the New Testament. This story is a really important one of them. Mm. Now, it <laughs> says the Holy Spirit, and that's the first time we've used mm. that phrase in this entire conversation. Um, no, David said Holy Spirit. Oh, don't take That's your right. Holy Spirit from me. Okay. Yeah. It, the Holy Spirit occurs a couple times in the Old Testament. It's usually the Spirit of God. What's the Hebrew there? The Holy? Um, holiness. Kadosh. 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 We didn't talk about that in the Holiness video. Oh, just the vocabulary word? No. <coughs> yeah. yeah. Kadosh. Yeah. So don't take your Ruach of Kadosh from yeah. me. Yeah. So remember, holiness is about God's unique one of a yeah. kindness, specifically referring to his role as creator, the author of life. So if it happens so infrequently in the Old Testament, why does it become just yeah, standard very, yes, interesting. vocabulary in the New that's Testament? A, that's a good question. Um, I'd have to do some homework on that. I'm sure somebody's thought about that, hmm. but I don't know. It's not the only New Testament way the Spirit's described. Hmm. The Spirit's described as the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, <laughs> And the spirit of Jesus mm-hmm. um, in the New Testament. Mm. But it's all talking about God's personal presence. Mm-hmm. The personal presence of God. But in the New Testament, just like in the Old Testament, though more clear in the New Testament, it's a distinct it's it's a distinct personal presence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's distinct from Jesus and it's distinct from the Father. And here we're into the three in one God. But Jesus has it. Yes. Yeah, so what's interesting then, as Jesus goes on from here, all of the Gospels talk about it, but the Gospel of Luke highlights it more than any other, um, is that in his ministry in Galilee, announcing the kingdom, Luke mentions multiple times that Jesus is led by the Spirit, um, he speaks by the Spirit, or like in Luke 4.1, Luke, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. So full, we're using the water metaphor mm-hmm. now. He's filled up. He's like a vessel, mm-hmm. like a container, mm-hmm. filled up with the Spirit, mm-hmm. meaning the Spirit is permeating Jesus' existence yeah. and mind. He's soaked with it. Yeah. It's a great metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole mission of Jesus' day-to-day kingdom announcement um, was all linked to the work of the, sp- the Spirit. So he was a, it was his appointing it's appointing. He was appointed, yep, to do his kingdom mission by the leading and empowering of the Spirit. So those two activities are embedded in the 
uh, baptism scene because it's an appointing yes. moment. It is, yes. But mm-hmm. it comes as mm-hmm. in this language and yes. form of, of new creation. The creative yep. spirit. Yep. New creation or is creation? Well, it echoes Genesis 1, mm-hmm. but Jesus is here to bring about that new creation yeah. that Isaiah mm-hmm. talked about. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, the other thing specific to Jesus' story in the New Testament is the resurrection is connected to the Spirit. Um, so right at the beginning of Romans, Paul talks about Jesus as God's Son, born of the line of David, who was declared to be the Son of God with power when he rose from the dead by the Holy Spirit, or literally he says, by the Spirit of holiness. So Paul uses the creative power of God's Spirit to describe what recreated Jesus' body to walk out of the tomb and leave it empty. What? Yeah, recomposed it. Yeah, I mean, he was dead as dead. Yeah. And the kind of existence Jesus had post-resurrection was different. Fundamentally different. Fundamentally different. He was a human, and he ate food and could hang out with his disciples, but he had different properties. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That can only be described as new creation. As strange as a lion hanging out with a lamb seems to us Mm -hmm. and children's playing near cobra's nest is the kind of physical human body Jesus had or was. And the New Testament authors, here Paul, describes that as being the creative work of the Spirit. Yeah. And and in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that's precisely the form of existence that followers of Jesus hope for in our yeah. resurrection. He calls it a spiritual, spirit-empowered existence. Hmm. Which no no other humans achieve in the Bible. You don't ever see, you don't see any other humans who have a resurrected body. No. Jesus is the the only walking talking bit of new creation hmm. in, in physical existence. Mm-hmm. But then now we're into the role of then the spirit in the rest of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of John, Jesus appoints his disciples. He says, as the Father, this is in John chapter 20, as the Father sent me, so I sent you. It's interesting. He's in the upper room with the disciples. Mm -hmm. He says that, and then he breathed on them (laughs) and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Mm. So it's such a powerful scene. And actually, the breathing on them, John's very specifically, he ruached on them. It's precisely the same sentence phrases from Genesis 2 of God breathing Mm. on the pile of dirt. Emphusao, receive the holy ruach. So he breathed on them, which, you know, we think like, oh, what does Jesus' breath smell like? Mm -hmm. Something. It's so such a strange part of the story. Yeah. But it's clear he's commissioning them just the way David and the prophets were breathed upon by the Spirit. And then Jesus, but look at what he says before it. As the Father sent me, so what I came and was doing, now you're going to go do that. And just as the Spirit empowered Jesus to do it, so now he is appointing them by means of the Spirit to go do the same thing.
And so now we're into Pentecost, mm-hmm. the whole concept of the Spirit filling up Jesus' people, mm-hmm. um, empowering them, coming upon them. This is all Old Testament vocabulary, but we're now it's now all happening through Jesus. Mm. So the book of Acts begins using um, this of a wind, right? They're at Pentecost, the followers of Jesus are in that upper room, mm-hmm. and we're told a violent wind mm-hmm. comes into the violent room. Violent ruach. <laughs> and then they, um, they look at each other in the room that's full of this wind, hurricane in the room, and they look at each other, and there's little mini f- fires, little mm-hmm. fires above everybody's head, yeah. which is as clear a reference as you want to the pillar of fire and cloud that came to rest over the tabernacle and temple. Mm-hmm. So now we're melding spirit and temple mm. storylines. Was that, did that get melded in the Old Testament, that God's spirit filled the temple? Oh, it's interesting. Um, no. Um, no. God's no. Ruach doesn't fill the temple. Yeah, God's Ruach, it's God's kavod, his glory. Oh, his glory. Is what fills yeah, the temple. Um, so yeah, in the New Testament, God's spirit uh, is what, comes to indwell his new temple which is the community of Jesus' followers mm. and then all of them are filled up with the Holy Spirit um, so then we're to the liquid a, appointing liquid metaphor <laughs> so yeah but it's so for cool for the task you, you of see. going for the task of yep and and bringing good news to the ends of the that's world that's right yeah announcing the kingdom of God and so all throughout the rest of the book of Acts you see the Holy <coughs> Spirit g- as an actor like a character in the story. So Acts 13, uh, Paul and Barnabas were working at the Church of Antioch, and the Holy Spirit said, Mm. set apart Barnabas and Saul for me. Other times in the story, Jesus appears, and he'll say things. But then sometimes in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit just appears and says things. Um, Paul and Barnabas want to go up to Galatia, and they're forbidden by the Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus didn't permit them. So we have... The spirit becomes a full-on personal presence of Jesus. Hmm. Um, but sometimes Jesus will appear to Paul in a, like a visionary form. Other times it's the spirit of Jesus or the spirit of God. Um, like, So th- what's the story with them being forbidden by the spirit? Did they miss a boat? They missed the boat. Right, or did... A <laughs> and they're just like, well, I guess the spirit didn't want did us to wind, go. Or did the wind like blow and whisper like, you guys shouldn't go. And like, oh man, that was a spirit. <laughs> yeah. Or or one time it's through a dream. Paul has a dream of a guy in Macedonia saying, come here. And so he goes. So here we're into the realm of the day-to-day life of a yes. follower of Jesus. Now. As being a life where if I'm going to become a mature disciple, I need to cultivate the skill mm. of being aware of the Spirit and yeah. what the Spirit is saying to me and prompting or influencing me to do or to say or to be and that's that's the appointing spirit so the very beginning of this conversation on the holy spirit that we recorded last time Uh we talked about our tradition and i come from a cessationist yeah yeah tradition where yeah the apostles needed to pay attention to what the spirit was doing and listening to the spirit and that kind of thing and it's a character and now I, I don't know. We never talked about that, cultivating that skill. Yes. And whenever yeah. I hear someone talk about that, it raises suspicions. Mm. Like, 
is that really the spirit? Mm. Did you miss that boat because of the Holy Spirit or mm-hmm. were you just lazy? Yeah, right. right? Yeah. Did, you just, <laughs> did you just forget to show up on time? Right. Or sleep in? <laughs> or does God really want you to mm. take that job? Right. Or or is that just what you want to do? Right. And but, but we're already prepared for that with the idea that humans have a ruach. Mm-hmm. God has a ruach. And, and the mm-hmm. way that God will influence you is by... Influencing my ruach. Mm-hmm. So, so then the question is... How do you know when that's happening? Yeah. Yeah. And the apostles know this is a potential problem. That's why in First John... He says, always test the spirits. So Plural? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, John's very aware. If somebody comes with a word from God to a church community, you better test that. You pe- test it against the teachings of Jesus, test it against the, the teachings of the apostles. And it might be that it's you're just hearing that woman's or that guy's prophet's ruach, and it's not God's ruach actually mm. speaking to the church through them. But other times it will be God's ruach influencing that prophet's ruach. So when he says test the spirits, he means is it that man's spirit or is it God's spirit? That's what he means? The point is there's many ruachs out there. Really? With many words. And, yeah, you've got one. I've got okay. one. Uh, there are also other... Uh, spirit is one of the words used to describe non-physical, personal beings that are evil. Demons. Demons is another vocabulary word for them in the New Testament. Mm. But they're sometimes called unclean spirits mm. or evil spirits. Mm. That's a whole other topic. But so there it's the personal invisible presence of a... Something gnarly. Yep. That's a whole other podcast. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, the point is, is that uh, being aware of the influence of God's spirit in my spirit and doing or saying, making choices because I think that's what God's spirit wants me to do. It's subjective. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Yeah. It's always a subjective enterprise. Mm. And therefore, Paul talks about evaluating um, words that people say come from the spirit or John will say, test the spirits. You don't see them in Acts like testing that. They're just like, whoa, the spirit said that. Let's do it. In Acts. Yeah, it's a good. Well, no, they pray and fast. No, they were praying and fasting. Uh, Acts 13, let me look. Acts 13, the church in Antioch. Oh, at the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menaean, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, sent apart, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul. So they're in a time of prayer, presumably discerning what, God wants them to do. So I have to start to assume what was happening there. Yeah, it's kind of an untold story. Yeah. Because they could have been sitting there um, in a room and they're all praying and fasting. And one guy goes, I hear God telling us not to go. Mm. And then another person go, that's what God's telling me to. And then the other person's saying, yep, that's what I'm getting. Mm. And they're like, okay, we're not not supposed to go. So in this case, they are supposed to go. But then later on. Oh, right. I'm looking at the one. In chapter 16, they were forbidden. Yeah. Yeah. There's an untold story there. Through some means that Luke doesn't tell us, they discerned the spirit telling them not to go up to Galatia. It could be circumstantial. They missed the boat. It could (laughs) be that there were, uh, they and some others all prayed about it, prayed and discerned that. And together discerned. Discerned. And got. Yeah. That's right. Or it could have been, or could it have been Mm -hmm. that, uh, 
they got us the spirit of God descended like a dove mm-hmm. and <laughs> said, don't go. Mm-hmm. Um, here's another way the spirit works. Acts chapter 15. There's this huge debate about whether non-Jewish Christians should start obeying the commands of the Torah like some Jewish Christians say they should. So Paul, Barnabas, the apostles all get together in Jerusalem. They have a serious debate, like dispute. They're arguing. They're pulling out their Bibles. <laughs> it's really, it's a long debate. Hmm. They finally come to a resolution, and they write up a letter. Um, and what they say to in this letter, sorry, one moment. Um, they say, the apostles and elders... To the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, Galatia, we heard this news, so we all agreed to get together and talk about it, and it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Oh, wow. And then they go on and talk about their conclusion. So they came up with something and God said, looks good, or the Holy Spirit. They discerned that through the all of these wise, godly people coming together, debating, praying, Bibles are open, they come to a a unified agreement, which is surprising given the diversity of people in the room, and they discern that that was the work of God's Spirit. Oh. So they say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, and then here's what we decided. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. So it could be through prophets. It could be through Bible, open, debate, prayer. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Not, not to get too picky, but by that are they saying, we came to this independently or we came to this idea and then God like approved it. Mm. Or are they saying by coming to this idea together, mm. that's really God's idea. Hmm. I'm not sure those are separate. I think the point is they see those as unified. Here's what we came to. Therefore, we discern that's what God led us to by the Spirit. Led us to or because <laughs> the word there is. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit good. and to us. Well, what does that refer to? Well, all we have to do is, all we have is the story of them having a big debate and Bible interpretation session mm-hmm. and prayer meeting. Yeah. And then what they say is, it seemed good to the Spirit and to us. Here's what you should do. So th- they believe that their conclusion through all of that process is what seems good to the Spirit yeah. and to them. Yeah. <laughs> and the book of Acts, it's Everywhere is saying part of being a mature disciple of Jesus is being aware of the presence it's, it's, of the Spirit. It's, yeah, so they would have been very aware when their Bibles are open and they're debating yeah. that the, God's the there in working in this. The Spirit's here. And so as they're doing it when they're yeah. done, they're like, well, it seems good to us and God's been here. Yep. So it's good, good. with God. Yep. Okay, yep. that's cool. Yeah, that's the process they go through. The last main goldmine for the Spirit in the New Testament is Paul's letters. Mm-hmm. He mentions the Spirit. Want me to do a quick words number search? Yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, I've got 149 hits of Numa in Paul's letters. 149 times he mentions the Spirit. And to put that in context, how many chapters does Paul have? Well, it's 13 letters. 13 letters. Oh, man, I'd have to do... So in 13 letters, 150 times, (laughs) he talks about the Spirit. So so all that to say is the Spirit's a really big deal for Paul's vision of the Christian life. Yeah. And of the Is it Paul who says, keep in step with the Spirit? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, a whole best book out there on the Spirit in Paul is by a scholar named Gordon Fee. 
It's mm. called God's Empowering Presence. It's, mm. it's exhaustive. He's, he studies in detail all 149. Oh, wow. <laughs> Example, cool. and he like groups them together into categories. Really helpful study. Is it super geeky academic or can, uh, can oh, I handle uh, it? Yeah, I mean it's it's a thorough study. It's not he's not messing around, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not, but he does. It doesn't presume you know Greek or Hebrew. Okay. He keeps most of that to the footnotes and stuff like that. But cool. it, yeah. Um, Can I ask a question though? Yes. Yeah. Um, so we talked about these three activities in the Old Testament: creating, appointing, new creation. And then we talk. So, and it seems like appointing happened. For a time. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Right. And now in the New Testament, mm-hmm. there's an appointing, but now mm-hmm. it's a lifestyle. Yes. Right? Yes, yes. And it's not just like, hey, for this task, it's like, it's it's for a new way of life. Yeah. And so now everything, you have to reorient everything through the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a new step forward or is that kind of what David, how David was thinking. Well, to, for the what we looked at, it's what David and Ezekiel knew needed to happen. <clears throat> it's what they hoped for. Okay. Uh, Moses hoped for it too. In the wilderness, he has this line in Numbers 11 where he says, I wish all of God's people had the spirit on them. Mm. So yeah, the, the Old Testament prophetic voices hope for and know that so a, a life permeated with God's ruach is what's needed for new creation to really happen. So if Ezekiel yeah. was watching the Pe- apostles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the upper room where Pentecost. Pentecost and yeah. then but then all this activity through Acts. Mm-hmm. Would he and then he's like, Oh, this is the Valley of Dry Bones happening. Correct. Yes, I think so. The resurrection of Jesus by the Spirit mm-hmm. and then the permeation of God's people, Jesus' followers, by the Spirit. Uh, the book of Acts all the apostles are very clearly saying this is what the prophets were pointing to. Yeah. We didn't even talk about sheesh. There's so much to explore here that we can't do in a, necessarily a video. But at Pentecost, you know, Peter has his sermon. Because mm-hmm. uh, what the people start doing with the tongues of pillars of fire over their head is speaking in all these languages they didn't already know. Yeah. And there's all of these Israelites there from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And they all become understand. U- understand and become unified, all of those who turn and follow Jesus as the people. So Israel gets renewed there, right there at Pentecost. Hmm. The tribes come together again. Hmm. So Luke's trying to say this is the recreation of Israel, hmm. the covenant people of God. Oh, um, And then that same thing happens to Cornelius and the Gentiles. There's another outpouring of the Spirit and then these non-Jewish people are speaking in these unknown languages, tongues, it's called. Um, there's a lot of debate, obviously, a lot of debate in Christian history about speaking in tongues and mm-hmm. so on. In the book of Acts, it happens at key moments where the boundary lines of God's people are broken and new people, more and more different kinds of people, get included in the family of Jesus. Mm. That's when tongues appears in the story. It plays that role. So the spirit is about expanding and spreading to more and more humans in the book of Acts. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So the point is about the new humanity that the spirit is creating through the mission of Jesus. That's the book of Acts. Hmm. 
Luke is saying that's what the prophets were hoping for, is what was happening through the people of Jesus. Hmm. Now, that isn't the fullness of what the prophets are hoping for, because hmm. lions aren't laying down with lambs. And yeah, yeah, exactly. The knowledge of God hasn't permeated the earth. Yep. The world doesn't look like Isaiah 11. And people are going to die. Yep. And then be resurrected. Yeah, still so injustice, still death, all that. So it's just an aspect of what they're hoping for. It's an aspect, yep. Yeah, and so here we're to the f- whole big storyline framework of the Bible is that Jesus inaugurates the kingdom of God. He walks out of the tomb as a bit of walking, talking, new creation. And pa- Paul talks about the presence of the Spirit as a down payment he says yeah. that in Second Corinthians and Ephesians. Mm. It's a down payment of the new creation. Yeah. So that's where we're still at. We're still at the down payment. Yeah. Yeah. The inauguration. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, theologians. We're not into like already. We're not into not the, yet, f- or the the second mortgage payment. This is yes, right. still the down payment. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We're in this period where the new creation has really started, and I get tastes of it. When I ch- taste new creation, is when I am fully submitted to and aware of and permeated by the the presence of the Spirit. And so the Spirit will be doing something unique during this era of the down payment. Yeah, messing with people. Messing with people? Well, messing with your Ruach. God's Ruach comes and it starts to mess with your Ruach. And you're like, oh man, I'm really screwed up. I need help. I need a new heart. I need to be rescued from my selfishness. I need to... Hmm. And Paul will say, yeah, Paul will say, yeah, that's God's, that's the, the pneuma of Jesus, the spirit messing with you, preparing pneuma you. Pneuma being the Greek translation of rock. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and that's how the, the spirit works on people. And then when they hear the story about Jesus, they go, that's who I need. I need Jesus. The, the spirit always points you to Jesus, according to Paul. Um, never to just have an experience, but to point you to Jesus. And then the Spirit then becomes the presence of Jesus. For Paul, the Spirit is the presence of Jesus who's going to start reshaping you. The fruit of the Spirit, for example, at the end of Galatians. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so sh- it's, it's mm-hmm. shaping it's, it's, me all, for, gar- this, for this era. It's first of all, garden imagery, fruit. Mm, yeah. So Garden of Eden right. imagery right there. What would the Garden of Eden look like in, in, with, in me with character renewal? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, mm. faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, um, which is all that's Jesus. It's the life of Jesus made alive within me. Mm. That's the role of the Spirit is to create Jesus inside of me. Mm. Um, so Paul can sometimes say, you know, it's I died with Jesus on, when he died on the cross. So the life I now live, it's not me. It's it's Jesus living in me. Mm-hmm. So he can say, Jesus lives in me. Yeah. But then later on in the letter to Galatians, he'll say, it's the spirit in you producing yeah. fruit. For It's two sides of the same coin. For and that, that passage of Paul's, I was reminded of that when we were talking about David saying, um, give me a new Ruach. Mm, yes. Or yeah, no, right. Ezekiel. Oh, saying, Ezekiel. Yeah. Well, Both Dave, of them. David says, create in me a new Ruach. Ezekiel mm-hmm. says, they need a new Ruach. Correct. Yeah. So David wants it recreated. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel's like, they're yeah. going to get a new one. Yeah. And then I was thinking about Paul. Mm. He says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Mm-hmm. How does Christ live in me? Yeah. He doesn't say it. But it's through God's one, rock. 
but it's that's his whole vision of the spirit. So so Paul's thinking, I get a it's a new one. It's God's. Yeah, I need a new life, a brand new humanity. Yeah. A new existence. So God might be recreating my heart, but as far as my ruach, mm-hmm. he's just got a, it's a surgery. <laughs> I need a new it's one. It's a transplant. Yeah. And then right after he finishes listing the fruit of the spirit, he says, so if you, if you were given a new life by the spirit, keep in step with the spirit. So you still have a ruach. Yeah. So it's like he doesn't bonk you over the head and make you a brand new human overnight. You have to partner with the spirit. Hmm. Just like the apostles had to partner with the Spirit in that room with the Bible open, debating and praying together. Mm. Or just like Paul and Barnabas. So you're given a new Ruach. Yeah. God's Ruach. But you still have your own Mm -hmm. sense of self. Yes. That needs to keep in step with it. Correct. Yeah. Paul calls it the, the war of your flesh and your spirit. Your sinful nature and your new humanity created by the Spirit. And there's this battle. He calls it a battle inside of you. Yeah, and uh, there's been lots of good sermons and metaphors about that. So, so we have <laughs> this. So I have a will, a mind. I have God's spirit, but then I also have my f- the flesh. So, is there three kind of elements here? Uh, and I and I yeah. my but, ruach yeah. decides. But flesh there isn't referring to your physical body. Sure, it's referring to your selfish. Yeah, my aptitude. Morally correct. My aptitude to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be morally corrupt. Correct. And so I can decide to keep in step with that mm-hmm. or I can decide to keep in step with God's rule. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And why didn't Paul call that our, my, my spirit? Why yeah. does he call it my flesh? Well, I, yeah, it's a whole long debate, I think. But there's something about f- flesh in the, the way that, that term is used in the bar. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Good. Sarks. Sarkos in Greek. Yeah. Um, where... As an image, it communicates. My body has appetites, Mm -hmm. food, right, sleep, sex. And those appetites can drive me to really destructive behaviors if I don't control them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that vocab, that idea gets communicated by the word flesh in the Old and New Testaments. This is why people become monastic. Yes. Yeah, that's right. But Paul's idea of the new humanity isn't non-physical it's of it's of but it's a new type of physical existence one that is permeated by the spirit which doesn't mean you're not human anymore it means you're more human so it doesn't mean you know so i can be a glutton (laughs) and that's my flesh Mm -hmm. but to not be a glutton doesn't mean now i don't enjoy food it means i eat to god's kavod i eat to the glory of god you eat you eat and drink for the glory of god with, um, with and to do that, I have to keep in step with correct God's spirit, God's yeah, yeah, Rauk. yeah. ruach, ruach. I keep doing that, <laughs> ruach. Yeah, yeah, ruach. Um, ruach. Yeah, the so so much of the New Testament begins to uh, spiritual gifts, which Peter and Paul talk about. It's the same. Jesus was appointed. We are appointed. So God can appoint different people with different can enhance their natural abilities, mm. inspire them. Mm-hmm. To, so that what they contribute to the church is what God wants to have happen in that church community. So Paul talks about that at length. And, and that's all about how <laughs> we as Christians live mm-hmm. in participation mm-hmm. with God's spirit, Yeah, which is something that the Old Testament 
Ezekiel mm-hmm. and David and Moses, all these people were kind of longing for and, and prophesying that this moment would come where humans could do this. However, there's also this anticipation that all of creation will be fundamentally changed. Mm-hmm. And so, so we've been talking about kind of this in-between time. Yes. And the New Testament also then will begin to talk about God's spirit recreating things, right? Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. is this me keeping in step with the spirit and being filled with the spirit? That's not recreation. That's just the being appointed. Or um, is that the beginning of recreation? Oh, well, so, so well, there's, there's two ways Paul will talk about the spirit. One is that appointing. He'll appoint you to be a good leader or yeah. a good servant or Kay. a good administrator in the church. First, uh, those are spiritual so gifts. Those are the spiritual gifts. Kay. But then there's this moral character transformation, okay. ethical renewal, and that's where a new creation okay. territory. And that's happening. Yeah. So like in Romans 8, Paul will say, if the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, mm-hmm. the one who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit. So he can, first of all, link the spirit that raised Jesus to your own hope of resurrection. Mm-hmm. But then he can also totally link the spirit of Jesus and the resurrection to your moral recreation. Mm. So um, the moral recreation is happening now. Yeah. But the you, physical the recreation will, will happen, happen in the resurrection. During the but resurrection. for Paul, there it's the same new life that you're participating in. So when I have moments where I check my selfish agenda at the door and I just love and serve my wife or my neighbor even though I'm I'm hangry <laughs> and I didn't get much sleep last night, but I sense, no, Jesus wants me to just be a servant right now. And I do it and it's the right thing and it's awesome. Paul would invite me. And you're me. not even doing it in your own strength completely. Yeah, and I'm tired and cranky, but I find this this desire and motive and then I, and I act on it and then all this, something good comes out of it. Um, Paul would invite me to see that was a little taste of my true self as a new human in Jesus. That's my new humanity coming out. Hmm. And a a maturing follower of Jesus for Paul is someone who, when they tap into that, they go, that's who I really am. Hmm. I'm going to do more of that. Hmm. And when they do more of that, as Paul did, he'll look back and he'll say, I worked harder than all of the other apostles. (laughs) Well, sorry, sorry. It was God's grace working in me. (laughs) He'll attribute it to God, even though he was the one who did it. Yeah. And that's the dynamic of the spirit yeah. is that when I do it, it's me, but it's not me. Yeah. I, In Colossians, doesn't he say something like, I work with God's spirit or like he, yeah, there's a verse in Colossians that kind of speaks to that. Yeah, it's this melding. It's of my will becomes so entwined with God's will. My ruach, my mind and purpose becomes so unified with the spirit that that's how I know, that's when I know I'm following Jesus. And primarily in the present, it pre-resurrection, for me, that's when I know I'm in the sweet spot, is when I'm exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, when I'm doing the kinds of things Jesus would do. Mm. That's my new humanity. And Paul says, feed, feed that, feed that. And you won't be able to do it by yourself. You need a church, you need a, to be in a community of a whole bunch of other people who mm. are undergoing that same process. Mm. And together, you'll be able to carry each other along in this process.
so so the life of a christian a way to think about it is is really learning how to live in this inauguration period yeah and to to step into one mm-hmm. side of it mm-hmm. and stay there and mm-hmm. to do that as a community mm-hmm. one yeah. side of it being the yeah. being in step with the spirit even though we still have mm-hmm. that baggage of yeah what the, paul calls the flesh the flesh yeah that's Paul right. says in uh, Colossians one twenty nine. To this end, I strenuously contend with all my energy. No, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Oh uh, yeah. So there, yeah. yeah. So there, it's Christ, not the Spirit. But he he commonly swaps okay. Jesus and the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So I, here I am working really hard with the power of Christ in me. With the with the power that Jesus is working here. Yeah. Yeah. So is it me or is it Jesus? Exactly. Right. Yeah. I'm also really getting attached to this idea of like the era of inauguration mm. because mm. we're still in it, right? And it's 2,000 years later. Yes. So it's not like a moment in time. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of human a, history. A, yes. Yeah. And who's to say it's not going to be another 1,000 years? Correct. It could be. Yep. Or 2,000 years. Yeah. And so this whole period of time where there's generations and generations and mm-hmm. civilization after civilization, and it's all the, it's the time of inauguration of new creation. Mm-hmm. You have to get this really, you have to step back and get this very mm. big mm. history perspective mm. to think of 2,000 years as an inauguration. Yeah. Inauguration <laughs> is like a moment. Yeah, sure. It's You've a been cere- inaugurated. A it's ceremony. a ceremony. Yeah, right. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. if it was an hour, it was too long. <laughs> or, yeah, I, m- the better analogy would be the time period between an election of mm. a, in democratic republic, republics, a, an election of a leader and their being in, um, appointed. Mm. U- usually there's a gap. Yeah, they're elected in November. They start in January. There you go. Yeah. So, th- so they're inaugurated in November. Right. Their reign begins in January. Correct. <laughs> Yeah, so, so their inauguration lasts for like three months. But what's the what's the time period between the election and the inauguration, and oh. then their appo- appointing? To oh, I don't know. Anyway, but the point is that it's a multi-step process Got with it. a gap. Oh, and that's right. the way the New Testament envisions the New time creation. between Jesus' resurrection and his return. Jesus was elected. <laughs> Jesus was not was, democratically was elected and inaugurated. <laughs> Uh, with the empty tomb. And then he inaugurates new creation. Mm-hmm. And the we, resurrection and says, the coming of the spirit. And he says, participate mm-hmm. in new creation with me. Yep. yep. It's not here in full, but it's here and it's happening. Yep. And then that's uh, that's the apostles doing that. Mm-hmm. And then 2,000 years later, it's mm-hmm. us still doing mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but one day we will look back and we'll go, hey, that season of inauguration, that was just a moment. Mm-hmm. A brief moment in mm. human history yeah. compared to new creation, right? That is the way the Jesus and the apostles talked about it. Yes, but to us, it's like in our entire lifetime. Yeah, we're in it, and yes. our children, yeah. children's lifetime, likely, yeah. and yeah. generations back as far as we can think. Yes, and so to us, not it doesn't feel like a special moment in time. It just mm. feels like human history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so what you're pointing out is, is that it's it's actually hard for us to foster, to live in this story. Yeah. It's a hard story to live in. Yeah. It's not you easy. Have to, you have to think this is a very special 
moment in human history. Mm-hmm. If humans, I mean, we haven't talked about eternity, <laughs> right, much, but like if if life is eternal and humans and God like will live mm-hmm. for a long time together, humanity will be around for a long time. This moment, whether it's 2,000 years or, or 10,000 years. Or 20, yeah, right, right, right. Is going to be a, it's a blip, a blip in human history. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and it's a very significant mm-hmm. moment of transition mm-hmm. that in it's it's at the center of yeah. creation new creation yeah it's like being built up to with the prophets and uh and then it is inaugurated with Jesus and then we get to live in it and that's where we're at right now and just to reorient my mind mm-hmm. to that mm-hmm. seems important mm-hmm. um and that it takes effort. I think especially... And it takes a lot of effort. Yeah, in the modern Western world with our narrative, our cultural story of progress, political, education, technological progress, right? That's that's a narrative that says we are just at the cusp of the pinnacle mm-hmm. or we could create the pinnacle, yeah, kind of thing. And so um, the biblical story also has a progression saying we are a part of something progressing but um what we hope for ultimately is for something that we have to receive as a gift that we won't be able to accomplish on our mm-hmm. own on our own steam mm-hmm. which doesn't mean sit back and do nothing mm-hmm. that would also be mm-hmm. living in the wrong story yeah so this is all embedded in creation new creation mm-hmm. like to understand the spirit you can if you understand creation new creation then the spirit kind of fits right into the same grids Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah but this isn't the new creation video no this is the holy spirit video yeah (laughs) and it overlaps it overlaps it overlaps in a big way yeah so the goal is what is it going to mean to you if i say the holy spirit's role is to bring new creation if Mm. that's not a category in your mind yeah that's true yeah yeah so we have to bring that in for me, I think the biggest win for the video will be this reorientation of just God's spirit in the Bible and the work it takes us to get there. And then the storyline that the spirit unifies. How this and the storyline, though, being creation to creation. Creation. Uh, and then appointing a human mm-hmm. to lead humanity into new creation. Thanks for listening to this final part of the discussion on the Holy Spirit. Just a reminder that we're going to do a question and answer podcast episode next week on the Holy Spirit. So send us your questions. We're going to record our answers to those on Monday. So if you can get your questions in for then, we'd love to answer them. Uh, Well, Tim would love to answer them. And I'll do follow-up questions for you. The Bible Project is a nonprofit. We believe the Bible is one unified story that leads to Jesus and has profound wisdom for the modern world. You can find us at thebibleproject.com. We make lots of videos and other resources. The video on the Holy Spirit will be out very soon, sometime at the end of March. So keep an eye out for that. And thanks for being a part of this with us.